This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Feminism in your ears. It's another broad podcast on Joy 94.9. Keep listening. Hashtag feminism. Hashtag podcast. Hashtag broad on Joy 94.9. physically transform at all as Princess Leia? I heard they asked you to lose weight. They did. They always do. They want to hire part of me, not all of me. So they want to hire about three-fourths. Uh-huh. And so I have to get rid of the fourth somehow. So, so the fourth was this before be the first me. movie or before the bronze? I made a joke. I'm sorry. What was it? The fourth can't be with me. Oh, the fourth can't be with me. So... Is this, is this before the first movie, or is this before the Bronze Bikini second movie? Oh, no. Bronze Bikini, I was solid. You know, it's that whole women... Yeah. yeah it's a bad thing for women. Even in space, women are, you know, there's, there's a double standard. Yeah. With the force, even with the force. Why do, do you have to comfort Luke when one guy dies, Ben Kenobi... But your whole planet has exploded. That's right. And no one's comforting me. I'm still upset about that. Not only... No, Have not, you addressed this before? Not just my planet. My mother, my stepfather, as I found out yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. My record collection. All my clothes. So I have to wear that white dress all the time. Yeah. So it was very sad for me. If you could go back and visit yourself at the age of 22, what advice would you give yourself? And would you listen anyway? Put those pills down. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't listen. Have more kids, put the pills down. Be kind to others. And, and obey the Girl Scout laws. I'm gonna marry the next- 
Joy 94.9. Yes, and Broad would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands that we broadcast from, the Kulin Nation, and pay respect to all the Kulin elders, women from the past, present, and those women who will be our future elders. We'd also like to acknowledge with respect the traditional owners of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands that we broadcast to, and to pay respect to all elders and women elders from all clans and nations, past, present, and future. Welcome to Broad. It is Boxing Day. We're going to put the box back into Boxing Day here on Joy 94.9. Thanks to Well, Well, Well. And of course, um, uh, thanks to all the listeners uh, for those who are hanging around near your radio or your computer or your mobile, whatever it is that you stream us on and keep in touch with what's going on. It is quite the year, December 26, and we're looking back at the year of 2016, what it is challenging and the trials and so on. Uh, we had a bit of a snippet there of uh, the wonderful Carrie Fisher who unfortunately is quite unwell at the moment. As many, many know, we do send out our part of the force to her and hope she has a speedy recovery. I didn't mean speeder, I mean speedy. So nothing Nothing to do with Tatooine. But yes, that was uh, her, of course, singing the Life Day song, celebration of which is every year for Life Day. And that was from the Star Wars Holiday Special. And a few snippets there, too, of her talking about what it's like to be a woman, to be in Star Wars, being Princess Leia. And, of course, some of the sexism that's involved there because, let's not forget, Broad is a feminist show. So we're all about equality and diversity uh, for women and identifying in women, of course, not just as gender, but everybody who relates to that. Men as well. Hey. So tonight, a bit of a look back at the year that was. I've got Lucy Lawless. We've got Nina Conti, Rita Coburn-Wack talking about Maya Angelou. And we have uh, Trish Bendix and more and some music. And uh, a very sad day, too, as we found out the passing of the wonderful um, performer, singer-songwriter from Wham! and more, George Michael. May he rest in peace. We'll play some music of his later on in the show if we have time. But how about some Lucy Lawless as she talks about what inspired her to become Xena uh, as she was over in Melbourne town for something called Oz Comic Con earlier in the year. And uh, let's kick that off. If you have any messages and what your highlight of 2016 was, any feminist ones, let us know. 0427 Joy 949 1300 Joy 949 or actually it's best to email, I reckon, or SMS. You can email us on air at joy.org.au. And don't forget we have Facebook, of course, for Broad. And we also have Twitter, and that's Broad at Fem. No, sorry, at Broad Fem 949. This is Sonia, and uh, this is Lucy Lawless here on Broad. So this is Sonia for Broad on Joy 94.9, speaking to the amazing Lucy Lawless. She has arrived <laughs> in Melbourne. Oh, Sonia. Here for Oz Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah. And I've managed to keep myself together 
while waiting for you. Oh, but congratulations. I know, I know. The interview's <laughs> over. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Everybody knows you. That's it. Um, and Lucy, it, it can't. We can't go past talking about Xena, of course. Yep. It's been twenty-one years now. What's amazing to me is that people still love it and re- even remember it. Is is, is quite a, a feat, I think, after twenty-one years because it's mm. been off the air a long time, you know. So I'm very grateful to it and to the fans for keeping it close, you know, keeping it present. Yeah. Well, I think um, one time I saw you at a convention, there was like the first few rows, there were intergenerational fans now. So you've got grandma, yeah, right. yeah. mum and now yeah. granddaughter, you know, yeah, as fans. How does that feel, like that sort of generational love coming at you? Uh, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, you'd think you'd be horrified because it means that you're you're getting old yourself, but Actually, I could be a grandmother. My daughter is 27, but um, wow. I'm not. She's not. She ain't hurrying. Mm-hmm. And um, so I guess it's to be expected. This is, this is the price of not dying young, you see, Sonia. You, yeah. uh, you, get, <laughs> you get to have all the fans, and I welcome them all. Well, there's always the 69 Club. You've got to get past that now. That's the new benchmark. Oh, my God. What do I have to do for that? <laughs> not what you think. <laughs> How do I get in the? How do I get in that club? It's not that sort of sixty-nine club, you know. Alan Rickman, David Bowie. I'm sure, I don't know. They were all sixty-nine years of age. Oh, uh, when they cast it. Oh. Yes, yes. Sorry, it's not the other. Oh, you're being so subtle. <laughs> sorry to disappoint. <laughs> and we are a queer radio station, so of course you, you have a big following. Whoa. Yes, yes you do. I'm, I'm aware of that. Good. Great. Mm. Yeah. I'm sorry. What's yeah. the question? <laughs> you've been indoctrinated. Um, now, you've had Salem. That's got some queer references in there, of course, of Countess Palantine, Ingrid van Marburg, yeah. and yeah. Evil Dead. I mean, wonderful, more great stuff coming from New Zealand. Um, yeah. Yes, is there a question in there? <laughs> There's a question there somewhere. Where are you going? I'm with going it? with uh, the fact that I'm talking to you. Okay, I'm going with the the um, the characters that you play. You, you seem to play, you're starting to play sort of darker, I suppose, more villain-like characters or sh- more complex. Maybe that's a better word for it. Do you get attracted mm, maybe, to those kind of roles? Maybe it is just more villain-like. I, yeah. I mean, nothing so complex as your average workaday person. You know, they're... Mm. But um, you're right, and I think maybe that goes with um, the age group that I'm in, you know, that powerful women are often got more of those kind of devilish and demented qualities. But I will say they're much more fun to play. I never wanted to play the, you know, the happy wife. What a Mm. bore. (laughs) So, um, but there seems to be a um, something that writers default to when they hire me is their, you know, first it's like, Take your clothes off, put her mm. in a bucket of blood, make her kiss a girl. Right, yes. So this is the one, two, three, the ABC. Yeah. Of, of, <laughs> somewhere these things will happen. There's going to be a bucket of blood, there's going to be a girl kiss, and there's going to be yeah, some sort of element of nakedness. It shocks me that what I hated at 25 is kind of fun at 48. Mm. And I'm really like, proud of myself now. And as a woman, because we are a feminist show as well, we look at that. Has that been a factor, as being a woman, those experiences? Would you call yourself? Well, I come from a... uh, I'm so blessed because I came from a very egalitarian society in a very egalitarian home. 
Hmm. With a lot of brothers, I didn't. I mean, I could see what knuckleheads they were, and I knew I was not inferior to them in any way. So, like, I just, I never thought, never experienced any deficit, you know. So it didn't, didn't really register with me. I do recognise, however, that that's not everybody's experience. I was just the luckiest, one of the luckiest children in the world, you know. Mm. So, um, I don't deny the the need for. Um, equality activism in all areas of society, but mm. um, including women's equality. I was so... I'm one of the few people who so far has kind of... I've benefited from a lot of women's hard work, you know, mm. as women through the 60s and 70s, while I was the kid who... Um, who, who inspired you then? Who was an inspiration? Oh, well, my mother, and, and believe it or not, Catholic nuns. I went to, you know, Catholic okay. school, and it was all run by nuns, and they were good women. There was none of this hateful kind of broomsticking behaviour that, you know, goes on. Yeah. They were good women, They were, and they're real activists, and they've been such supporters of me and my activism. So I got nothing but good things to say about uh, the women that that were around me as a child. And, and a lot of them were Catholic nuns. I can imagine you in a, in a, a nun's habit, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fighting the good fight, you know, with superpowers. Well, you know, I did wear one. In a, in a yeah. It suits you. Flat. So Renee, Renee O'Connor and I were playing nuns. I was Mother Superior, and she was, I don't know, Sister Mary Catherine or something. And, uh, yeah, we did do something. But it didn't do justice to the wonderful nuns that helped raise me, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> Uh, so what do you want to say to those who are listening to, say, young women who are listening or women who aren't sure about their bone power and how to empower them and to get them, you know? You know, I, I don't know how to answer that question mm-hmm. exactly, um, but here's something that's in my mind at the moment because I'm, I have somebody in my life that um, I really see them struggling to do this, and it's a young woman, to put a boundary of decency around herself, beyond which certain things, if it transgresses that balcony, that 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 boundary, but it's about safety or about relationships, there's a little invisible force field around you. If it hmm. steps inside that, and it's un and it's unwanted, or it does not deserve to be within your in a you know your inner space. Hmm. It's gone, and I don't know how to teach that to somebody who hasn't been raised with a lot of love and care. But yes. every every woman and every boy also has to. Sometimes you've got to retrofit it. You know, you've got to find how to keep yourself safe and 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 um, and, and free. Because safety doesn't mean you have to be afraid, or, or or to be afraid of the world is a bad thing. Safety means that you can go confidently in the world. Anything that disrespects you must um, be removed or you step away from. Hi, this is Lucy Lawless, otherwise known as Xena Warrior Princess, and I urge you to join Joy because who doesn't need more of that? We're loud, we're proud, we're here. That's beautiful. Joy Radio. Hi, this is Scarlett, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. Oh, so what do you want me to say? Like, oh, just, your name? I, I, uh, embrace? Yeah. Um, um, hi, I'm Taryn. I, 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 Taryn, yeah. I'm you, Taryn Brumford. I'm the director of Embrace. And No, you tell me what I say. Uh, I this know. is Taryn Brumford. 
director of Embrace. Uh, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. <laughs> See, I never say that. Oh my God, I'm tiring with a different voice. I'm the, yeah, you could do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Taryn Brumford. I'm the director of Embrace, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. Perfect. That was great. Good. As long as I don't mark up which one to edit. Oh, sorry. There you go. And then they hear my voice. No, you're not. Sonia, not Taryn. <laughs> and this is uh, Sonia here, live and real in the studio here at Joy 94.9 for Broad on Joy 94. Point nine or dot nine, as someone once said. That was Taryn Brumford. Of course, she had a fantastic film that was out earlier this year. We spoke to her as well. But of course, before that, Lucy Lawless chatting about, I guess, the experience of being Xena, um, of course, now being an Evil Dead uh, television show. And um, yeah, just the influential and uh, woman in her life, which turns out to be some mother superiors, some nuns. How about that? And, of course, her mum and uh, grandma as well, she spoke about. Now, we've got an interview with, um, looking back now, uh, with a fantastic woman filmmaker, and that is Rita Coburn-Wack, who's made this doco, and uh, a very interesting doco of the wonderful African-American feminist woman, uh, Maya Angelou. And, of course, it came out just briefly. It played at the Human Rights and Arts Film Festival here in Melbourne Town for 2016. And we were very fortunate to speak to her long distance in Chicago Town, the Windy City. So let's have a listen to this fairly sizable chunk of an interview that we had with... Uh, Rita Coburn Wack. And this is Broad here on Joy 94.9. Looking back at the year that was 2016. Welcome, Rita Coburn Wack. And cool. thank you so much. No, thank you. 7 a.m. here in Chicago, and it's really a wonderful day. It's what my mother would call good growing weather because it's maybe about, maybe about 65 and a little bit of light kind of rain. So awesome. uh, that's always good. Well, I'm excited because your film, this amazing film, Maya Angelou and Still I Rise, is having its Australian premiere at the Human Rights and Arts Film Festival here in Melbourne. That's very wonderful. It's wonderful that it's having it at the Human Rights and Arts Film Festival uh, there because that combines a lot of who Dr. Angelo actually was and is to our culture. Her human rights and civil rights efforts may have not been as well known all over the world as her art and literary position, but both, as you can see through her work, and as will be seen in the film, were equally important to her. She lived for right. Well, yes, it's, it's, it is perfect sort of vehicle, I think. And certainly mm-hmm. what you brought together is the first, which I was surprised, actually, the first documentary about Dr. Maya Angelou. Why do you think it is the first? What do you well, have- I think that what happened, it was very organic. Organic in the sense that, mm-hmm. Maya Angelou was living her life from the Jim Crow South in Stamps, Arkansas, poor, rural, and yet her mother had pretty much rejected her and sent her there with her brother. And her grandmother, her paternal grandmother, being a black woman in the Jim Crow South where blacks were still being lynched, where the Ku Klux Klan was riding, where racism was palpable, her grandmother owned 
the only black-owned store. And she had gotten that store by first selling meat pies to the workers and saving her money. And so Maya Angelou came into a world where there was this woman that was bound by her, the color of her skin, mm. but she was able to have ownership of not only a store, but land where poor whites lived. So Maya Angelou was poor in the stereotypical sense of a black person in the South that didn't have right, but she walked with a certain comportment because this woman had means, money, land, and had a faith in God that she Mm. infused into her abandoned, rejected from her mother, granddaughter. And I think that pretty much put into her both power and the understanding that there was an environment in which she couldn't be powerful. Now, to really answer your question about why Mm. this hadn't been done before is that over the course of her life, she was simply living it. She was recording it in her works. Other Mm. people were recording it. But she was just living it. When it came to pulling it all together in a documentary, people may have asked her about it. Her response prior to it been, I don't need another thing done. I've written about it. Mm-hmm. And she she wasn't really doing it. What happened was I began to work for her as a result of working with Oprah Winfrey for what was then Oprah Radio. And Oprah Winfrey's generosity and understanding of Maya Angelou encouraged me to go down once a month to where she lived in Winston-Salem or to her home in Harlem and record four hour-long programs that would air once a week on Oprah Radio. It was during that time from 2006 to 2010 that I got to know her. She insisted that I stay in her home, and I began to hear her stories, you know. And as I heard the stories, being a filmmaker as well as being a radio producer and director, Mm. I said, this is a documentary. This Mm. woman's life has, has trafficked the history of this country, and because she lived in both Ghana, Mm. Egypt, spent time in London, spent time touring for the State Department in 1954 with Porgy and Bess, Mm. which got her to the Eastern European countries as well as Israel and so on. So I'm thinking, who does that? Mm. I mean, who actually, even then, remember, people if they were a couple, they didn't both take the same plane because, you know, your planes weren't what they were now. And they were like, let's let mother go and then father will go in case something happens. But black people, black women were not traveling or living in other parts of the world. So she had collected all this history. And when I approached her about a documentary, after working with her for so many years, I believe that she trusted my sensibility to do it justice and Mm -hmm. the desire that uh, we had formed a relationship. She saw me as an up-and-comer, like she had been, and granted that opportunity. At the same time, my co-director, Bob Hercules, who had done work for American Masters before he had done the Joffrey Ballet and worked on the Bill T. Jones, he was thinking, there's never been a a documentary on Maya Angelou. A mutual friend introduced us 
because she was working at Harpo with me at Oprah Winfrey's. It was then called Harpo. Now her entity is own Oprah Winfrey Network. But at the time, Mm -hmm. it was Harpo. She, this mutual friend, said to Bob, you need to meet Rita Coburn-Wack. She's working on something. And then Bob and I met and decided that he had the institutional relationships. I had the personal relationship. We were both filmmakers. We could make a film and document history. It's a long answer, but that's the way it happened. <laughs> it's a great answer. I'm sure it could be longer because there is so much there to, to put together, to recognize and record. And yeah, like you were saying, it's a woman's life that's so full, so rich and so enormous that she and her reputation and everything she's done has reached us as well down here and you know, down under and the inspiration that she provides today through what we know of her, you know, her writings and like you said, her activities and everything from living in Ghana and having that experience in Africa and, and first-hand experiences of, of live with racism and, and these sorts of things and the freedom fighters and the civil rights movement. This is enormous, you know, enormous job that you've done. It's an amazing feat that you and Bob Hercules have done to provide this, this uh, document of her life. It must have been hard to edit. <laughs> it must have been really tough. It was tough, but when mm. you led with saying, you know, this woman, I think that's important, too. This was a woman who did this. And not only was she a woman, but she was a woman prior to a women's movement mm. and strong women in her life, her mother whom she reconciled with and had a relationship with and that mother-daughter relationship that so many women understand that it can be at times an embrace and at times sandpaper and it can be all those things and then to have that grandmother figure and then also to have a woman mrs flowers who was her teacher So that when she was raped at seven and stopped speaking for five years, there was this woman in town that encouraged her and read poetry to her and showed her beauty. Uh, There's a biblical verse that says, trade your um, mourning, trade your ashes for, for beauty. I think that during that particular time, all of us can relate to that because somewhere in your life, there's been a teacher. You know, uh, she may have just said to you in first grade, I think you write well. And all of a sudden you swell up and Mm. you, you know, some some woman at the church or some woman at the corner store says, oh, that's a pretty dress. And and you think I'm pretty and women, I think, can relate to that. And so Mm. she being so linguistic, articulate and having that beautiful voice. Oh, yeah. Also just champions being a woman. And there were things we had to leave when you say edit on the cutting floor. Mm-hmm. Her relationship with writers for apartheid, which included Gloria Steinem and mm-hmm. uh, Alice Walker, and, and her protesting for uh, women. But we tried to capture some of what she had been through during her lifetime in the very opening of the film where we show things that happened over this life. And what we really want to say is this woman lived from 1928 to 2014, and her life documented history. And she, we open with her saying, um, you may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, 
it may be necessary that you encounter defeat so that mm. you know who you are. And I think that when we found that, when we found her saying that, which really wasn't until maybe about uh, a month before we had to finish the film, mm-hmm. and we were still searching for what's the open, what's the <laughs> open, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And then we found this footage from the BBC, and we said, that's it. That capsulizes what we want people to walk away with from the film is you will encounter defeats in life, but you must not be defeated. You must, as she did, even if you don't feel like, oh, I'm not Maya Angelou. Well, you're whoever you are, and you must, you will encounter defeat, but you have to fight. And I think that makes it perfect for your Human Rights and Arts Film Festival, mm. makes it perfect for even what Australia was historically uh, conformed and and formed out of, you know, getting over defeat. So I think it makes her so universal. We need more Maya Angelou's in the world. Yeah, and I think we've probably got some out there and they've got to appear. We need the Mrs. Flowers and the Grandmother Hendersons and the Malcolm X's and the Martin Luther King's. Mm. I mean, we're we're a large society and we need everybody to do their best to move us forward so that we can continue to have a sense of hope and um, leave something for the people that are coming behind us. Well, here on Broad, we always ask a person one little question, and that is if they consider themselves a feminist or if they think, and why just quickly, what feminism means to them. Rita Cobenwack, what does feminism mean to you? I have to tell you that I consider myself a woman. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand many of the other labels that we have. Fair As enough. a black woman, I've had to champion mm-hmm. black men who've had a very, very hard time in this country uh, to lift their heads up and to be fathers and to be right. sons and to be brothers. And so I can't separate myself for them with Mm. any other label than I'm a woman. Mm. And that's not easy to be either. I think as women, we have to find our voice. And I think feminism is about finding voice for people. For me, Mm. my voice has to be the voice that I can have as a woman as a black woman and that I can have for my husband and for my father and for yes. my son and in this country I've seen that my my father uh, only went to fourth grade he could not uh, do well in this country it was difficult for him my husband went to Harvard um, my son is the press secretary for the Democratic National Convention I look at the rise Mm. of them as men, and I have to lockstep stand beside them without anything in between that Mm. for, for the ability to move my family forward. I have to fight for my daughter to have a voice in the world as a black woman and as a woman. So I just stand on being a woman, and I stand on my faith, and I don't necessarily take on many other monikers because I'm very cautious Mm. not to want to be a division 
And that is for me. That is not for somebody else. And I totally respect that everybody comes to the table from their personal frame of reference and have to push that forward, be a feminist movement. It's necessary for there to be a black movement. And uh, blessings to you and yours. And thank you for having me. Thank you. Hi, we're the Girl Freedas, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. I have such admiration for Black Lives Matter. Diaz, uh, Aliza Garza, she's one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. I, I mean... This is a movement that started by two queer women of color that has like shaken the political establishment in America that has forced like presidential candidates, forced the president to address it, that has deeply uh, challenged you know really many institutions of white supremacy there and that spread around the world. Yeah, I have such I have such admiration. When Ferguson first happened, I have to admit, I was looking at it and I was like, man, it felt like Occupy was children's dress rehearsal compared to yeah. what people are doing here and what people are risking here. Feminism, and does, does that play a part in what you do? I mean, obviously I'm a feminist. I, I tend to subscribe to the, the Gloria Steinem definition, which is that it's the revolutionary idea that women are equal human beings. How that plays out with my relationship to other people who identify as feminists, that's a different thing, of course. You know, there, There's... A huge amount of, of disagreement and um, debate, but for me, my feminism comes from the belief that no one should be restricted, no one should be marginalized, no one should be trivialized, no one should made stim- be made simple, no one should be locked in a cage or even put up on a pedestal because they're a woman, because we're humans, and mm-hmm. humans have the right to equality and freedom, and also humans exhibit the full diversity, good and bad. Of, of characteristics, men and women. And I would say that you should never let anyone, um, not a lover, not a husband, not a parent, not a sibling, you should never let anyone steal from you the sense of your own value and your own dignity. And I should also say that the most valuable thing we have, one of them is a community that loves us and that nourishes us and that has our back. Thank you. Hi, I'm Molly Crabapple, and you are listening to Broad on Joy 
Joy 94.9. A very sad day indeed with the news of the passing of George Michael. Uh, what a fantastic and talented man. I know. But that song, I Want Your Sex, was such a significant song from the uh, debut solo album he brought out. And that, of course, is Faith back in 1987 when it came out in October. It just became a phenomenon. And I Want Your Sex was certainly up there because it was during this time that he made this album. He was in a long-term relationship with a woman. 
in fact, and uh, she even appears in the Andy Morahan music video. She was a long time, two, three years they were together, and most importantly, he put on the back of her on lipstick, Exploit Monogamy. So he was very um, involved with her, uh, Kathy Young, uh, an amazing uh, woman, uh, and also very interesting. She went on to become uh, quite the makeup artist in many films. Uh, Hollywood films and so on. So it is considered that video that she appears in with uh, George Michael has to be one of the most controversial videos ever to air, all in capital letters, on MTV. Uh, It uh, still is number three, I believe, in uh, most popular MTV videos. There you are. So, um, yeah, despite censorship and the airplay issues, an edited version appeared in North America, of course, but still it reached number two in the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 singles, which is massive, absolutely huge. Um, and his partner, who appears in the um, video, Kathy, uh, she was a DJ at the time in Los Angeles when she met him. And um, they were together for, yeah, for a good two and a half years. So there you are. It does happen. And I guess that song really um, froze it out of people saying, well, that's what it is. I want your sex and uh, consensual sex, obviously. So, yes, we will miss the wonderful talents of George Michael and, uh, yeah, another great one gone. 2016's been pretty challenging in that respect. Certainly, we've lost some fabulous people. Uh, now, speaking of fantastic people, uh, looking back at 2016, one of the highlights would have to be speaking to a woman called Nina Conti. Um, just got a bit of a snippet there. Wonderful uh, actress, performer, ventriloquist, who was out here back in April of this year for the, um, of course, the Comedy Fest, International Comedy Fest here in Melbourne Town. And she talks about a lot of things, being a ventriloquist, what that means, feminism, her experiences as a woman amongst other comedians and what that's like. And if you want the full interview, you will have to go to the um, our, uh, website, well, to the Joy website and look at Broad on Joy 94.9 because she talks about a uh, interesting development uh, where she met and hung out with David Bowie. Of course, he'd passed away this year as well. What a year. All right, so let's have a bit of a listen to that and we'll finish with uh, some chat with Trish Bendix. Uh, the wonderful editor from, well, ex-editor from something called After Alan, talking about queer women and queer women spaces in online media and uh, multimedia and so on. Here's Nina Conti, and you're listening to Broad here on Joy 94.9. I'm Sonia, and I run a couple of shows, actually. I've got a science fiction and horror show, (laughs) as you do, and I've also got a, a new show, a feminist show. Oh, shit. Sorry. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I'm okay. I knocked over a lamp. I'm just trying Oh, to... over a lamp. Okay. I, I'm just trying to find... <laughs> Any reason? <Place laughs> away from all the mayhem. Oh, okay. I'm, oh. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, now I'm good. It's I'm not crying. like one of those rock star hotel things, is it? <laughs> you're not going to throw the lamp out the window it. next, are you? No, I promise. Okay, I'm sorry. You have my full attention now. Um, This is Sonia here on Joy 94.9, and it's my delight to introduce to you, the listener out there, Nina Conti. Welcome to the show. Hello. 
Excellent. And of course, um, talking to you because you're here in Melbourne, even though you're on the phone with me, you're here in Melbourne doing something called In Your Face, part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Yeah. How awesome is that? It's really fun. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing a, an improvised show, which is really fun for me, very different every night, based on on the audience, on which I, I put masks on the mm. audience, just on their lower face and make them talk and make them say dumb stuff. Um, <laughs> it's an amazing... It's, uh, um, it's a really fun ride, mm. I know. I, I, I don't want to sound too much like I'm blowing my own trumpet when I say how fun it is, but it's so fun for me. I know. I've been using puppets for years, talking to these latex things, and I'm mm. human. Mm. Well, I'm still talking to myself, but at least they, they, it appears more like I've got friends. <laughs> and it's kind of exploitative, but in a really funny way. I try to do it really lovingly, you know. I'm yeah. really, like, the more kind of yoga I am about it, the mm. the funnier it is, mm. you know. I mean, actually, the more I put into play all that kind of trying to breathe into the skin of someone else and imagine how they're feeling, that actually is much more funny than exploiting them and making them yeah. do really crazy stuff. Yeah, you Like just saying what you think it looks like they're thinking with their eyes and the way they're standing. And, and their, their body nervousness. movements, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just to like try and match that works well. We all know you too because you've been here a few times now, I think, for the have, yeah. Com- Comedy Fest and with your friend Monkey. Mm-hmm. He's still there. He's still there, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's taking more of a back stage now. You know, he's not so prevalent in your show. Is, is there something, is that something new that you wanted to bring to that relationship? Or <laughs> <laughs> I think I will never get rid of that monkey. Right. I mean, I swear to God I'm going to be buried with him. Oh. It's, it's like a... It's this crazy thing now that I have this monkey. Mm. And, I mean, he is still very much in the show, kind of as the introduction to the show. And he's like the casting director of the show. Oh, is he? I didn't know His voice is still stronger than mine and all that sort of thing. You know, I guess he is the real me. So that's all kind of, that's never going to go away, I'm afraid. I think I'm very, very stuck with that, unless I mm. become him. Um, that's been that, to happen. Like, too, sides of my it? character is not going to disappear. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, the, the puppets in general are not the main thing in this show, but I would still say Monkey's a pretty strong character in it. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you think he would ever consider going off on his own, you know, doing his own? Yeah, well, I guess you're asking me, would I ever consider going (laughs) off on my own and doing and being monkey full time? Would I? Do I want to be monkey full time? Would you? Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you do it for six weeks? You had to wear monkey. I mean, have monkey on your hand. That was just a spoof, and it just (laughs) amazes me that people thought that was real. The comments on that video, I just cannot believe they thought that I took him to the gynecologist and stuff. And look, the awards, the acclaim that you're getting, a Barry Award is pretty phenomenal. Um, yeah, so a nice. BAFTA-nominated film as well. Wow, That's so nice, nice yeah. It? It's nice to get. Is it, is it nice to get an acknowledgement like that? It's very nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it's not kind of what you're expecting or what you ask for, and then you get that and, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes you go, oh, thanks. <laughs> That's really nice. Um, but it's, it also feels a bit daft as well. Hmm. I mean... I don't know why, but it comes hand in hand with feeling a bit unworthy or stupid. I don't know why, but it's definitely nice. 
Yeah. Or maybe I'm just endlessly needy and nothing's going to fill that. Why, why would anyone be a ventriloquist? And then mm. it's 15 years later and I'm firmly a ventriloquist. Mm. Still, you know, yeah, it's not letting up. It's, I found a pen that writes well for me. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like one of those NASA pens. You can, <laughs> you know, it, you can do it upside down. It's, oh, in your case, with a hand up something. Um <laughs> Yeah, same as the show for my current, the, the title of my current show, In Your Face. It's always a horrible phrase. What's the next one going to be called? What's the next Godly one? Titles. Sorry? What will the next one be then? Yeah, it'll be awful. Up yours or something. Oh no, it probably will. YOLO, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it might be, or it could be You're Sick. I don't know. Which means yeah, good, apparently. Sick means sick good. Sick means good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sick means good. Um, now the other thing I woke up the other day with <laughs> yes. my youngest son mm. pulling my chin down so that it was making my mouth open. Oh. And he was saying, um, he was wording what I should be saying with this, like, opening mouth. And he was singing, I'm a stressed out person. <laughs> wow. That's gold. Yeah. That's how I woke up being ventriloquized by my own son saying, I'm a stressed out person. Is it's that good terrible. or bad? I don't know. At least he's, at least he's turning it into art. It's like it is, problem. but at some point <laughs> there may have to be a little sit-down chat. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. we do a feminist show, so I'm going to ask you a feminist question. Gosh, I'm intense with feminism because I feel I don't want to let the side down. I'm not articulate enough. Hit me with it. I'm going to do it. Are you a feminist? Yeah, of course I am. Why? Because everyone should be equal. Yes. Is that a good enough answer? Yes, that's pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so, when you were starting out, did you come across any, you know, like real difficulty or challenges being a woman? in the industry that you are part of? Uh, being a woman. Mm. Well, maybe in ways that I wasn't even aware of in that I, you know, like wore skimpy tops and midriff and would go along to, to kind of just like with a dirty little monkey and get a gig. But the, at the time, it didn't feel like a challenge. It felt like a route, you know, like a open door. Oh, do that, that sort of route. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that sort of route. But, I mean, I, on no level did I recognize that I might be compromising my, myself or something or my seriousness by, like, playing that, that role of the kind of the virgin whore with the, mm. you know, the, like, young girl with the filthy monkey. But, mm. I I mean, yeah, maybe that that's going on. But I, I haven't found it, like, frustrating to be a woman, really, but in comedy. But I must say, I really am sick of the conversation about women, are they funny, and what's oh, my yeah. take on it. Mm. You know, and that, the fact that that question haunts you, no matter where you go in your career, you still have to talk about that topic. It's mm. that little boring. Okay, I'll scratch that question off. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm Nina Conti, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. That's beautiful. Thank you. And good good, good luck for everything. You. It's just wonderful Thank to speak you. to you. Thank you, Nina Lovely Conti. to talk to you, too. Bye-bye. Hi, Bye-bye. this Bye-bye. is Clementine Ford. You're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9, and I'm encouraging all of you to fight like a girl, just as I know Sonia does. Hi, this is Scarlett, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. This is uh, Joy 94.9, talking to Scarlett Bacchini about Broad... What does feminism mean to you, Scarlett? I guess it means 
addressing you know negative or harmful attitudes towards women both past and present that still affect women and men now you know working towards equality by addressing women's issues really important to me because I don't I don't feel a great attachment to my gender when I think of who Mm. I am as a person you know I'm just scarlet and especially in male-dominated fields like in comics and music and And music yeah yeah all those things you know I'm tired of people addressing me as a woman in these fields and you know how do you feel as a woman doing Mm. this and what's it like as a woman or getting reviews that say you know she makes a good fart joke for a woman or like that being it, it always sort of strikes me because I'm not thinking about me as a woman I don't feel necessarily like a woman I just feel Mm. like me and I'm yeah I'm tired of my life being framed around that I'm Sonia from Broad Um, it's a feminist woman's show queer woman's show here on Joy 94.9 in Australia in Melbourne and um, awesome including what is happening over there for you well for the online community and that is of course uh, the big news I'm sure you're not totally sick of talking about it hope not (laughs) You know, I'm happy the conversation is happening about the loss of lesbian spaces in general, so Mm -hmm. I don't mind talking about that because it's very important, you know? Good, good. Yes, so what's happened is after Alan, the online media space, the pop culture space, where a lot of people get their news from, or entertainment news in any case, and like to keep in touch with what's going on, whether it's a TV show with queer women in it or whether it's, you know, an awards show or whatever it might be, um, what is happening out there in the environment. It's now threatened yeah. and something quite disturbing happened on Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday of this week. Can you tell us a bit about what happened there, Trish? Sure. Well, essentially, I have been working at After Allen for 10 years and I've been through two different owners now. So when I first started, it was at Viacom. And then a property called Evolve Media purchased the site two years ago. Mm-hmm. So the last two years where I've, when I've been editor-in-chief, I've been under Evolve. And I have to say, like, when I first started, I was working under a really fantastic woman who was my, just like a champion of mine and after Ellen, and just so fantastic to work with. And sadly, she retired a couple of months ago, so I haven't really had a really strong strong point of contact with the company since, and um, the company is, and I think it's an important distinction to make that they are. It is, you know, straight men that run the company that mm. you know run the women's site. So it was it was a surprise to receive a call that basically told me this Monday that the site will remain up uh, mm-hmm. with its archives intact and possible freelance content in the future, but no real answer for what that looks like at the time being, and mm. that I will no longer be an editor. There will no longer be any full-time or part-time editors involved with it. So essentially, I was laid off, but also the most important thing to me was that the site was no longer going to have the content that it did every day for LGBT women that they've come to expect for mm. 10 years. So that was what was ha- that happened initially on Monday. Quite shocking. Uh, some of the articles, I mean, The Advocate was one of them. I, I was a bit surprised that they ran with the story and very much on the side looking at the issues of, yes, uh, female space, yeah. LGBTIQ women's space, and where has it gone uh, with She Wired uh, no longer, you know, doing what it used to do as well. And that used to be a very good site. Yeah. Um, there's so few left. I mean, there's Auto Straddle which is kind of, you know, something at least. And uh, mm-hmm. can't think of too many others left now. 
perhaps yeah, there's, bust, I mean, it's perhaps. mostly a lot of mm. sites that are greater um, women's sites, like feminist um, sites that do that are inclusive of queer women. Like mm. there's one that's called The Establishment. That's fantastic. Um, Everyday Feminism also is very queer women inclusive. Yes. But you're right, there's not a lot of spaces dedicated specifically to LGBT women and their voices and run by LGBT women. And, you know, there are some, like, regional publications. Like, there's a really nice one out of D.C. But, yeah, like you're saying, you know, in, as far as international, too, because I've heard from a lot of international readers who, mm. you know, it's not safe where they live to be out or have a community. So, you know, I, it's very heartbreaking to me to read those stories and um, from people who are essentially losing something that they, they clung to. Mm. Yes, it, it was something that, like Morning Brew was great. It usually came out in the evening here, but, you know, uh, <laughs> that's okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. Well, you know, if the world was flat, it would probably be easier uh, to do things time-wise. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, these are things that have been, and, you know, it's kind of like after Alan was... Seriously, it was like a background, the background music or background soundtrack of what was going on. I mean, it always seemed to have the stories when, you know, your favorite actress came out finally, officially or whatever, you know, or a new movie that was coming out or a television series like Camilla or, you know, going right back, you know, those sorts of, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite shocking, really. It's quite disturbed disturbing yes it really is i mean i think it's still being i think you know i feel like i'm still processing it i'm sure a lot of people are still processing it there will be people that mm. don't know like maybe they just you know have no idea what's going on and are still going to visit the site and still be a little confused about what's going on so i mean that's what what's heartbreaking because it's been around for so long and mm. i think some people now think oh i took it for granted and i don't want people to feel that way because we had you know, this was a shock to us all, and I don't yeah. think any of us really realized, just like when our favorite lesbian bar in our, you know, in our city closes, that we never really know exactly what's happening um, and, where, mm. and where the support is needed, yeah. And then when it's gone, you there's nowhere to go. <laughs> that's yeah. It. You know, that's it. There's, right. You know, that's happened, it's been happening a lot, and I, I've noticed it here in Melbourne. There used to be a place called the Glass House, and it was, you know, it was like a fixture for women to go to, women who love women, bisexual women, pansexual, lesbians, everyone, queer women, um, trans women, to go along and, uh, you know, kick back, eat burgers, drink beer, you know, and not think yeah. about the outside yeah. world. And then that oh, yeah. went about six or seven years ago. Yeah, that's the hard part is that when you go to any city, even if you're traveling, like I was mm. recently in Miami, and uh, I, you know, I was with a couple other women, and we were like, where can we find lesbians? Where can we find ourselves? Where can we find yeah. our community? And, and just you know, we, went, we had to go to the guys' clubs and try mm, to hope yeah. that there were any women. You know, there's, it's hard. It's very difficult because... We are just so wanting to be amongst ourselves, and if there's nothing, it feels like we're alone. But I know we're not. So what do you think has caused, um, firstly, with After Alan, what do you know and what can you say about the main reason? It's about lack of profitability, is that right? The advertising dollars not coming through. Was that the reason, officially? Yes. Officially, told is that, you know, after two years of attempting to profit off of in the mm. LGBT space with marketing and advertising that um, Evolve hadn't found a way to do it to the point where they could justify having, 
you know, myself on as full-time editor. They had let go staff editor, my staff editor, Dana, a year before because they mm. couldn't afford her. And so uh, I think the problem is is that they would rather not – basically how they explained it was they're not – they are not in a position right now to put more money into the site. They can keep it up as is, which is what they're doing. Um, I don't know what the situation will look like now for freelancers. I know that mm. they're trying to reach out to my freelancers, and uh, I don't know if anybody is actually going to stay around. I mean, they've most of them have said they have no interest and have found some other homes, which I'm so happy about. So. Yes, we'll have to cut it off there because we need to move on. This is Sonia from Broad on Joy 94.9. It's still 2016 and just had some highlights over the years. Thanks to, over the year. Uh, thanks to Trish Bendex, ex editor from After Allen. Uh, she's surviving okay, but still it is quite true. So many uh, queer women's spaces are disappearing online. Thanks to Nita, um, Nina Conti. Uh, thank you also to all the other people I interviewed over the year. It's been quite a busy year. There's heaps to look at. Um, certainly head to the Joy website to find more of the podcasts. They're all there. Just had a message in before I do go, and we return once again to Bite Me Down Under. We're back. Had a lovely message from Jade. So thank you, Jade. It says, Hi, Sonia. Identifying as bi-gendered, bisexual, and feminist of mind, I noticed a couple of things this year. The Feminist Humanist Alliance acknowledges feminism as concerning women, trans, and genderqueer people. Wonder Woman is considered bisexual. She loves the show, enjoys the insights, and uh, wishing you all the best for the new year. Thanks very much, Jade, and to all the other people who've listened and supported uh, Broad. We will be back next week, which is next year, with uh, whatever's going to happen for 2017. We'll be looking at some zines and uh, printing or publishing for feminism. But now we have to say goodbye because it is time for Beck to do her Boxing Day. I believe she's doing some of the highlights and best best bunch of music, Aussie music, uh, for 2016. So thanks you again uh, for listening to us here on Broad. And let's uh, go head forth towards 2017, all positive and, yeah, stay with the challenges. Beck's up next. Thank you again. This is Broad of Joy. Thank you, sisters. You've been listening to this broad podcast here on Joy 94.9. Don't forget to tune in to us Monday nights at 9 p.m. on Joy for feminism in your ears. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.